hey, this is Doug Jones. You might know me as the Silver Surfer or Abe Sapien from the Hellboy movies or Billy Butcherson from Hocus Pocus. But right now, you're listening to the Candare Podcast. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. I'm still Jake Runyon. And returning to the show, I believe this is uh, his third time on the show, yeah. but uh, hasn't been on since episode 92, and we are on what? This is 189? Mm-hmm. It's been a little wow. while. Yeah, here to talk about The Threat, which is uh, currently running on Kickstarter, Mark Schmidt. Thanks for being with us, Mark. No problem, guys. We got a good episode for you today in our retro roundtable. We're going to be remembering Adam West as we just uh, lost him this past weekend, and that sucked so bad. I I was shocked when I saw it. Yeah, I was too. It came out of left field. I almost didn't believe it at first. I've actually got a story as to why I didn't believe it at first. One of the many reasons I'm going to hell. We'll get there. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. And we're going to swing the door open to the comic vault. What do we have, guys? What do you got over there? Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Scooby Ocalypse. Is that Scooby Doo? Scooby Apocalypse, yeah. Oh, boy. I'm kind of excited for that. What about you, Jake? Uh, I've got Carney by Johnston Flanagan. Uh, <laughs> that's my book. <laughs> yeah, I just read it before the answer. All right. Um, no, I'm, I was looking at uh, uh, the works of Emily Carroll, in particular a webcomic called His Face All Red. Ooh. Amazing stuff. Well, we're, I can't wait to talk about it. Cool. A few of the things we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Mark and talk about the Kickstarter running for the threat until June 29th. Before we get started, though, Jake... Well, ladies and gentlemen, I would be remiss if I didn't remind you to follow us on all of our social media and networking. Mm-hmm. Check us out on Twitter, where I peddle jokes and funny pictures daily, uh, at Canned Air Pod, and Instagram, where I do essentially the same thing, maybe a higher ratio of pictures to jokes, uh, at Canned underscore Air. Also check out our website with links to our special guest page and our YouTube page, which is about to be blowing up. Mm-hmm. We got... It's in the chamber, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's getting a little closer every yeah, time we polishing say it. And, yeah. I keep wondering if we should just shut our mouths until the stuff's At a certain there, point, you know? yeah. I mean, how many times can you tease a person? And then we'll have one episode like, I told you, see, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you didn't want to go look. <laughs> Old crying wolf syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Those guys are a bunch of liars. I can say we do have the first uh, episode of Canned Arcade filmed, and it should yep. be up. Pretty darn soon, right? Won't be long. So, uh, yeah, that'll be awesome. For uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Let us know what you think. So, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. All right, guys, Adam West, where do we even begin uh, to honor the man who first brought us Batman, at least? Well, I guess he wasn't the first to bring us Batman, but the most memorable. There were some... Like serials of Batman. Yeah, those like ones are creepy. Forties. They yeah, are so creepy. Not like to remember those. Yeah, like Batman's uh, ears don't go straight up. No, they like stick out like demon horns. They're like cones too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like a bat's ears. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what, where do we begin with Adam West? Well, I'd, I'd like to preface what I'm about to say by saying, love Adam West. Mm-hmm. Ever since I was a kid, huge fan. Everybody is. That I mean, it goes without saying. But I do have a story as to why I didn't believe he was dead when I got the news. Let's hear it. About, oh, must have been damn near ten years ago now, I started this really stupid joke I used to do where at the dinner table with my family or something, I'd be like, so did you guys hear about so-and-so? Just making up nonsense, see how long I could keep them going before they realized I was just pulling it out of my ass. And the one that really worked was like, did you hear about Adam West? Like, no, no, what happened? I'm like, oh, he was in a car crash. They had to amputate his arm. They're like, oh, my God. What's he going to do? I mean, he's how's he going to get back on his feet? And I'm like, no, none of that's true. I don't know why you would think I would be the only one who heard about it. So I started doing that at least once a week. Forever after that point, you hear about Adam West. And they'd be like, wait, oh, you almost got me. Until one day I get a text message, group text from my family. Hey, Jake, did you hear about Adam West? And I'm like, ha ha, LOL, good one, guys. And they're like, Jake, seriously, he died. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm wow. sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I felt like shit. Rest of, yeah, it was wretched. You remind me of uh, Andy Kaufman, who was just always out to entertain himself <laughs> and no one else. As long as I'm laughing, <laughs> yeah. right? What more does That's it all mean? that matters? Yeah. What about you, Mark? All the freaking episodes of Family Guy that he was ever in. I mean, oh, yeah. some yeah. of those jokes are just hilarious. Like he's such a such a moron in that show, but it's so funny. Yeah, it is. I can't even think of some of his one-liners, but he's got some good ones in there. There's just one in particular that, I, for some reason, this line I'll take it with me to the grave. But uh, at some point, someone falls out a window or something and into his garden. And he opens the door and he's like, my petunias, you dick. And that's it. That's the whole joke. There's no wit. They didn't write a joke. It's right. just profanity. And it slayed me the first time I heard it. I was watching a bunch of videos over the weekend of clips of Major West. And one of them, Stewie was outside screaming for something. I can't remember what it was, but he was sitting in his office with the window open. He's like, oh, so we're having a screaming contest. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm winning. Oh. <laughs> It's so funny how uh, that show and then uh, American Dad with Patrick Stewart yeah. brings these two characters yeah. in, in their own likeness and then has them... I guess Patrick Stewart, they don't make into more of like a uh, parody of himself. Like no, he, Adam he West, more or, or less plays Patrick Stewart in that one, I think. Right, but Adam West obviously is playing a, a lot. A dangerously insane version yeah. of Adam West. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you guys remember way back, uh, I think it was the Mr. Plow episode of The Simpsons, maybe, where uh, Adam West was at a car show, like, signing autographs. And, again, remind you, this was uh, back before, you know, nerd culture was mainstream sure. and big shit like it is now. And I think there were a lot of those kind of things, like 60 stars signing at car shows and shit, you know, to make a little cash to bring people in. It's a very different time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was on The Simpsons and playing kind of the same... Not duh, duh, Adam West from Family Guy, but was uh, talking to Homer and the kids about, you know, uh, Batman nowadays doesn't have it. You know, give me Lee Merriweather any day over uh, uh, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. And then he mentioned the dance and he just starts there doing the moves. No, oh, geez. <laughs> sitting at the table and they just kind of creep away as he's doing the dance by himself. It was funny. Jack, what about you? That Batman episode with the dance. Yeah. yeah, I think that was number one, if I remember correctly, or maybe Batman? like episode number one, or maybe episode number one was the surf off with the Joker. It's one of those two. I can't remember. I don't know. But something about that dance, I get hypnotized every time I watch it, and I watch it over and over. <laughs> he just kind of turns into like gelatin when he's doing that. Like he's doing the moves, but his whole body's like doing this gelatin just, yeah. kind of shake. Well, thing. then he like Mesmerized. jumps backwards and starts doing kicks and stuff and oh yeah he gets dramatic <laughs> yeah <laughs> last good. time i watched it i woke up half an hour later over the dead body of a senator it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> one of those one of those things you're too horrified to look away from <laughs> it really is it's like yeah. watching a train crash you know some bad shit's about to happen but like, you gotta oh watch. boy yeah you gotta watch it happen and that was hip stuff back then it just kills me that it was hip but i think uh more of in a like a parody kind of way i mean mm. it was parody like even in the time kind of making not making fun but uh supposing to be supposed to be silly you like know cutting in from a laughing sexy party or something like that all <laughs> <of a sudden. laughs> but it's um it's funny to think about it now because we look at it as a novelty and at the time how big it was i mean everybody and their mother i think was watching batman sure yeah. it's yeah. what you did yeah exactly but uh, such a good show. It was yeah. obvious. It was my first exposure to Batman. It was on syndication, uh, either after or before the Brady Bunch, <laughs> that would come on after uh, afternoon cartoons. Talk about two great tastes that taste great together. Yeah. Um, Ironically, they did. I yeah. I know the Brady Bunch and they taste that everyone favors. But I uh, <laughs> I enjoy them. I enjoyed the Brady I think Bunch. Super Friends was my first taste of Batman. Really? And I want to say it was. I think it was his. Yeah, it was his voice still too. Was he it? did some of the cartoons, yeah. I didn't know that. Casey Kasem was Robin. Casey Kasem was who? Robin. Robin. Just like he was Scooby-Doo, too, but all right. those cartoons. I did not know that. No, I uh, I never watched that cartoon growing up. I just uh, learned about it after I was grown up. <laughs> <laughs> what got me really into Batman was the animated series with Mark Hamill, Kevin Conroy. I, I remember that as, as really sticking in my mind when I was younger, as being the closest thing to religion that I recognized. Right. And... I, I may have told this story on the show before, but it always pissed me off so much because I, 
big into Batman when I was a kid. Still am. You know, nothing's changed. I used to tell my parents, like, hey, did you see Batman? And they go, like, Batman, na 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 Batman. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I just, I have never seen the show. And every time I brought it up, they played that little tune. And I'm like, well, are they insane? I just, I didn't get it till I was, like, 12. It was funny. Uh, in in the, our, the backyard of our house we were living in, during the time that we were watching the show as kids, part of our property had an L-shaped privacy fence. And where it L'd, like the short end of that L, there was like maybe a three-foot gap, and then there was like a great big tree with a bunch of stuff around it. So we would pretend the inside of the L-shaped privacy fence was the bat cave. Nice. And that, that space between where the fence ended and that tree was was the entrance. And when we played Batman, I mean, we really didn't like play it out. We just get on our bikes, ride in and out of that entrance, going, no, 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 no. It was a very advanced concept. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to, uh, I, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> My thoughts exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about the way Adam West talks, and we've already kind of touched upon it, just in the way we describe, you know, his jokes on Family Guy, Simpsons, all of that. And... It's maybe not as overt as, like, say, when you think of police. Shatner. Thank you. I knew that's where you were going. <laughs> maybe not as overt as when you think about, like, William Shatner or something. They have that bizarre cadence or, like, Christopher Walken where it's, it's so iconic. But Adam West really kind of informed the way superheroes spoke. Right. Mm. You know, you had your Superman radio serials and things like that. But when you look at... The, the implications of that kind of like the way he carries himself and the way yeah. it, it's it's more subtle but the effect is everywhere you know yeah. he really set the tone he's always seemed like he was in deep thought no matter what he yeah, was doing. yeah yeah which when you think about it kind of works for the batman character as we yeah. see him now yeah, you know? it's a, the greatest detective he's always yeah. and that's just that's what was so great about it too i mean obviously we had fight scenes but none of them were as grandiose as what we have nowadays i mean it was just <laughs> yeah. uh I want to say it was the solving of the mysteries, but they were just so... The riddles, like the Riddler would leave, were like... Those were out there, too, and he The just, conclusions boom, boom, he would boom. come to, like, yeah. you couldn't sit a million years and ever come to them, you know? They were just... They didn't make sense, but... Uh, you could try and trace the line of his logic, and you'd, you'd get right. lost about a quarter of the way through. What is another word for mystery, Robin? Enigma. Enigma. Edward Enigma. My God. Oh, man. <laughs> now, that was Val Kilmer, right? That was Val Kilmer who said that. Was it? No, yeah. that was off of one of the Batman 66 shows. But then in, in um, Batman Forever, in oh, Batman Batman Forever maybe it was again. like referential. Oh, this could be proof to what we were saying in episodes before, that uh, like Batman Forever and Batman and Robin were just yeah. adaptations of the 66 version of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could be. I. Yeah. I could see that a lot. I mean, those those two movies were bad. <laughs> they really were. But we were talking about it, and we kind of we were thinking that. And in that mindset that they are, you know, modernization of the '66, doesn't it kind of uh, almost make sense? It softens the blow a little. Yeah. If you look at it through Tilted that lens, camera angles on the villains always. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, though, Batman Forever is not a good movie by any stretch. No. When I was younger, no. obviously, I loved it because I didn't know I the did difference. I did, too. Yeah. But I think one thing Batman Forever had going for it was, like, beyond stylized, the almost absurdly gothic design of Gotham City, you know, with big, elaborate, colossal statues and, and just all, all these sort of comic booky touches that we sort of lost moving into the grittier adaptations, mm -hmm. you know, in, in film, not necessarily. It started getting way, way out there as the Batman yeah, movies progressed. It though. was getting weird, but in kind of an interesting Whoa. way. Oh, what about you, Mark? What else you got? For the most part, I, I there, uh, the other, only other things that I can really think of are the, the one-offs where he was on Big Bang Theory or some of the other TV shows where he was just a guest appearance and it was just like a one-off uh, type situation. But I mean. He's such a classic person that even only having done, you know, I mean, for the most part, what do you remember him from from back back when we were kids? It's just Batman. Yeah. Exactly. So as as adults now, our whole reference to Adam West is that geek culture. So having him in those shows and referencing those little geek spots are are, are just phenomenal. Exactly. And it's uh, funny you say that because I was reading, you know, after 
After Batman, after the show ended, he and Burt Ward and uh, Yvonne Craig were all like severely, severely typecast and couldn't really uh, get noteworthy work. Now, not to say that uh, he didn't do a lot. I mean, he's got quite a list of movies. He does have a handful of them, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he, I think he also was a uh, did a voice on the F- Fairly Odd Parents. That... Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, he, I, he was credited in there somewhere. Right, right. But, um, yeah, when I was looking on the internet, he's got quite an extensive uh, library of movies he's been in, but none of which I've really heard of. Maybe a couple. Yeah. And uh, it kind of stinks to be typecast as that one character, but because um, I'm sure he didn't enjoy that. But at the same time, he was awesome as Batman, you know? <laughs> it's almost like the acting equivalent of a one-hit wonder, you know? You do something that's so well accepted, it overshadows your capability to carry on. Well... Even after Batman, he couldn't uh, really find work, so he began making personal appearances as Batman. Really? Yeah. Huh. Kind of like in Ghostbusters 2 when they go to <laughs> the birthday, birthday party, that kind of stuff. And you guys remember the uh, the Memphis King of Wrestling, Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Right? Well, he even uh, in the seventies somewhere like went to challenge Jerry Lawler as Batman. <laughs> I heard the Riddler and uh, Penguin were in this uh, part of town, and, and then Lawler <laughs> comes out dressed as Superman with a big crown on his chest instead of the uh, the uh, S, you know. But um, I'm going to cut the audio in actually to that right here. I didn't want anyone to recognize me, but there is a rumor. That Mr. Freeze and Penguin are here in Memphis because of the radical change in the weather, and that they have a hookup, a hookup with the evil King of Memphis, mm. who just might be wrestling here this morning. Wait a minute. Do you, do you know who this is? Is that who I think it is? Yes, it is. What? What is this? Well, what does it look like? Tell me, what does it look like? I heard he was going to be here today, so I dressed appropriately. That's what it is, the Super King. What else? Okay, you say maybe you're going to be able to give us some help uh, with this guy here. You're, you're on the case, and I think we're going to need all the help we can get with, with uh, the King. Well, now he, you know, I, I've heard he's had his troubles with the Joker and the Penguin and Mr. Freeze, but he hadn't handled the King yet. And I got somebody in a box that I'm going to bring out here in just a few minutes that'll make the Joker... Make a Joker look like Mickey Mouse, I can tell you that. I've heard about your box, but I want to say that that costume that you're wearing, if you are indeed the evil king of Memphis, has been stolen from a friend of mine, Soup. (laughs) Superman, I call him Soup. Right. And I think that Spider-Man, Spidey Baby, would probably object too. By the way, looking at you, I don't think it's too late for you. I think it possibly, if you change some of your habits, some of your methods of wrestling, if you used your left and right turn indicator in your car, <laughs> did other things that people normally do when they're polite and courteous and you weren't such a naughty, mean person, it wouldn't be too late for you. And I can see that you're not familiar with these rednecks that we have around here. That's exactly right. That's right. I tell you what, gentlemen, they I look think like splendid people to me, and they're bat fans. I know they are. And I think it's insulting to call them rednecks. I, I think maybe we uh, we better settle this elsewhere. And uh, again, uh, both of you are going to be Dr. at the. I got Dr. Frank in here anyway. Both of you are going to be down at the Cook Convention Center at the uh, car show all yes, this weekend, we and uh, maybe you can settle it there. Batman, appreciate you coming by, and uh, thank you very much. You can give us nice so there's that. And then uh, he also was uh, as Batman doing commercials, trying to sell war bonds to the Vietnam War to to kids. As what? late as Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, not like that show premiered in World War II or something. My brain doesn't handle dates very well. <laughs> I'm going to cut that audio in right here. Too. Thank you. Hello, boys and girls. I have a special message for you from the President of the United States. Let me read it to you. I salute the boys and girls who are buying United States savings stamps and bonds through the Treasury School Savings Program. They're learning the lessons of practical citizenship and of wise money management and they're giving important support to the cause of freedom and the men who fight for us in Vietnam. That message 
is on this wallet size us savings bonds pledge card which you will get in school as soon as you begin to buy us saving stamps let's get started today what do you say all right so yeah there you have it you think he could have done better than keaton as batman because he was salty that they didn't ask him to do it was he really yeah i remember hearing that well, wow. he, he wasn't particularly he was young old. at the time yeah right yeah. Yeah. Not like he was decrepit or something, no. but... No, but he couldn't have been Batman. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Michael Keaton's Batman is, like, revolutionary. It, like, re-imaged the character. Right, and, yeah. You know, through that and its evolution to what we have today. Um, but as a child, because I was, I was still fairly young. I was, like, eight or nine when uh, Keaton's Batman came out. And when I saw it, I liked it, but that wasn't Batman to me, mm-hmm. you know? Adam West was Batman. Right. So I didn't, like, at first accept Michael Keaton into my heart like I already had Adam Michael West. Michael Keaton was Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton was Beetlejuice. <laughs> <laughs> that but, was real um, hard. Go ahead. It's actually funny you say that because I, I saw a post on Facebook the other day right after Wonder Woman came out that it was somebody, and I don't remember who it was, basically saying that the Wonder Woman we saw in the movie wasn't their Wonder Woman that... Um, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman was their Wonder Woman, and this was more like Xena Warrior Princess. So it's kind of similar. I can see effect. that kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. But I mean, what are you going to do? Like, are you really going to have the modernized Wonder Woman, like, do that twirl? <laughs> Walk real fast in a circle? And I, I have heard rumors that they are thinking of how to bring the invisible jet into the sequel. Wow. Into the future somehow. But I would just see it as like some kind of Wayne tech. Remember in the Avengers how the ha- aircraft carrier had like the light refracting yeah. shields to make yeah, it look yeah. invisible? I guess it'd probably be some kind of Wayne to technology like that, yeah. to do that. Not just, or just sitting in midair flying <laughs> around. And there was a pretty excellent... Um, have you seen... Oh, what is it? Crisis on Infinite Earths? The um, um, Justice League. It was an animated movie. I believe that's the one. That's what it's called. But they find uh, alternate Earth versions of themselves, kind of like analogs of... Uh, and that Earth's equivalent of Batman, which was Owlman, oh, voiced yeah, by yeah. James Woods, yes. which was awesome. Yeah, he had a jet with that sort of retro-reflective, you know, camouflage oh, thing. Yeah, and uh, Wonder Woman had actually wrestled the controls away from him. She flew it straight back into our own dimension. And that was like... The, uh, their the explanation, the yeah, yeah. Really? But at, at other points in the comics, they described it as less like a jet, quote-unquote, and more some kind of force, some kind of magical entity uh-huh. that could take a number of shapes, but its primary ability was flight, and it was more like a mount than the vehicle. Wonder Woman owns a TARDIS that doesn't it go Kind of, yeah. <laughs> Just hovers around. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I, I still want to check out the uh, Wonder Woman 77 comic that came out uh, based off the Linda Carter show. Mm-hmm. Um, that and I need to kind of get back on board with the uh, the Batman 66 comic. That was uh, That's a fun comic. Is it still going? Yeah, yeah, I oh, believe wow. so. Um, some of my favorites have been the Green Hornet crossover with Batman, and then the um, the special book, the Lost episode, the Two Face episode yeah. that never mm-hmm. got aired, and they just made it into a comic. That was really cool. So, I, if you haven't seen that, check that out for sure. Um, but were you guys aware that there's a there's a comic series out there called The Misadventures of Adam West? No. Uh, yeah, I wasn't either until I went digging this weekend and found it. And I'm not quite sure what it's about. It looks like he plays himself. I mean, Adam West. And, I would imagine. Um, issue Zero is available for free on Comixology. Hmm. So all you at home can go get that quick because I'm sure now that he's passed, they might not oh, let sure. it be free. Yeah, so put a price back on it. Yeah, get it free while you can and check it out. But it looks like uh, it's him, you know, as his uh, older self in his apartment I just again just flip through it quick because you see his like Batman uh, cowl on the shelf and stuff and somebody comes to the door and gives him some kind of an amulet thing and he gets in the car and when he puts it on he zaps into his old young self <laughs> from the 60s so that's where it ends um, but yeah check it out on uh, Comixology I'm anxious to check out the rest of that uh, comic series and uh, for anyone at home who also might be interested uh, Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. It's a good podcast. I enjoy it. But there was an episode where Adam West was on uh, his show. And he was just funny, man. He, he was so freaking hilarious. I just laughed my ass off listening to that. Y- Yvonne Craig said he was a character when she was on the show. She did. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She uh, had a few stories to tell 
Yeah, be sure to check out uh, episode 162 where we uh, talk with Yvonne Craig as she does tell some uh, funny stories about Adam West mm -hmm. uh, when we had her on. I forgot about that. Check it out. Uh, what else you guys got? I was going to say the interplay between Batman and Robin in the 66 show was something mm -hmm. we don't really see anymore. Right. I mean, I mean, you can talk about Batman and Robin with George Clooney and all that noise, but sure. I really think part of what made Adam West so memorable in that role was that he and Burt Ward had such a good thing going. Right. And he may not necessarily be the bigger name of the two, you know, that we jumped to, but I think it's worth mentioning at least that it is because they worked so well together, you know, on set. I'm not sure exactly the point I'm trying to make, but I'm... I'm there's just a, it's a, there's a chemistry there. Yeah. There's, there's an effortless flow between the two of them. Right. I get it. No, I, I get it totally. As Batman and Robin, they're more fatherly and sonly, I guess. Yeah. Versus any other Batman and Robin you've seen, Robin is just a normal kid that gets in trouble. There's a or bit whatever. less yeah. of that, like, under the rug homoeroticism that seems to <laughs> plague a few different adaptations. Um, the one big thing you've got to give props to that I think gets probably overlooked a lot with the 66 series is that it was in, you know, you're not only bringing a comic book character to the screen in your own way, you're bringing the comic to the screen with the bright colors, yeah, the yeah. angles, the yeah. pow and the pow and punch bubbles and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it, not many people have done that. I think of uh, uh, Sin City. Sin City was trying to accomplish that same kind of thing that Batman 66 was. Yeah. Some of those scenes, like when Elijah Wood, remember that creepy <laughs> character that he played? Oh, he was the best. With his glasses, there was a scene where he kind of steps into the darkness, and all you can see is just like just the, the glasses. perfect circle uh, you know, of his glasses. It's not it. just a comic book movie. It's a movie that is a comic book. And it's a straight yeah. scene out of a comic. Yeah. And uh, so you got to give it respect uh, in that aspect, because not too many people I don't think have uh, yeah. And you think about sense. it right now, and you're like, oh yeah, that's cool. But you've got to think of it through the lens of that time. Yeah. In the 60s? Who was reading comic books? Oh, the right. kid who got his lunch money taken every week. You know, it's... <laughs> it's, it's uh, funny... Well, that's one thing that I would, while we're on the topic, don't, do you, how do you guys feel about uh, the fact that possibly one of the reasons that comics today is, are having a problem getting into the mainstream? I mean, we've got a lot of people going and seeing, you know, the Avengers and all those movies, but that's not translating into a lot of sales for comic books. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people still feel comic books are for kids. And that could potentially relate to how Batman was. You know, people see Batman and they don't always think of Val Kilmer or Michael Keaton. They usually think of Adam West and the campiness of that and how goofy it was. And, and that's not how comics are anymore. No. Or the character himself. You, you know, just a mere right. mention of Batman to somebody mm -hmm. of an older generation whose only frame of reference was Adam West immediately will, like, it, you know, summon a chuckle or something. Oh, yeah, Batman. No, 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 no. Like yeah, you were saying yeah. earlier. Oh, I love yeah. Batman. Like, oh, that's cute. My yeah. dad can't stand any of the new Batmans out there because he, he never really hurt people. He would punch them and stuff. Mm -hmm. he, of course, he didn't use a gun. Right. He never really scowled like he does a lot in some of the comic books. <laughs> well, with Adam West's uh, voice, you know, you'd think it'd be easy to peg him as Bruce Wayne, but it's from Batman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anyone else who talks like that. <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't seen all the episodes of the, the 66 show. Did they ever explain how he became Batman in that? Was it, I mean, I'm assuming it's similar to, to what the comics are, but I mean, that's a really dark situation and to make it no. to translate that into such campiness. <laughs> no, they like never did because like episode yeah. one picks up with them already, you know, just they're minding their own business in the manor. The red phone rings and they're off to stop the Riddler or whoever. There wasn't nearly as much money in origin stories back then no. as there is now. <laughs> he, just, no. he just was. Yeah. yeah. In yeah. the beginning, there was nothing. And then the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys know that his uh, born name was not Adam West? His real name was William West Anderson. Hmm. Huh. I did not know that. Bill it was a pretty Anderson. common press, or common press, what did I say? A pretty common practice back then. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think even still today, I think a lot of people uh, change yeah. their names for Hollywood. Especially say. with, like, you'll, you'll get a name that's registered in the Screen Actors Guild or something, mm -hmm. and someone with that birth name has to change it. 
like uh, Nicolas Cage. Uh, yeah. He was oh, Nicolas, yeah. uh, who, what was, I always forget. Coppola. Coppola, thank you. Always forget that. All right, uh, do we have anything else, fellas? How old was he? He was 88. Oh, another thing I forgot to mention here. Um, before he made it into Hollywood in the uh, military, he had served as uh, an announcer on the American uh, Forces Network, which is like a military huh. TV yeah. Uh, network. I had no idea, huh. which kind of makes sense uh, to his voice and his delivery. Oh, sure. Yeah. If hearing his delivery in the TV show, it sounds a lot like somebody in a <laughs> like a like a radio DJ. Yeah. yeah. It's got a very official sound to it. Yeah. You know, it's it's the voice of someone who is commanded. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly where they belong. You know, mm-hmm. confident. He was a perfect choice for Batman. Yeah. I think that's probably all we have on Adam West. So, Adam, thank you so much for uh, again introducing the character to a lot of us, and uh, may you rest in peace, sir. And with that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Who would like to go first this week? I'd like to go first, if you don't mind. Go for it, Mine's fairly quick, because like I've often said with uh, web comics and things like that, people who put so much of their content out there to the world for free, I don't like to spoil a lot of things. It seems unfair. Um, But I stumbled upon this this comic uh, made by, her name's Emily Carroll. She's got a huge body of work, a number of published works, as well as a lot of free content available online. Go ahead and Google the name. Can't remember the exact URL. It's like mcarrollworks.com or something to that effect, but really fantastic artist. Has a, uh, I almost want to say like a storybook style that makes some of the more morbid concepts and imagery she deals in that much more effective. Lots of psychological horror, dark fairy tales, things like that. Awesome stuff. Uh, The story I read was called His Face All Red. Now, it's great. I'm glad I get to talk about this one because there's a perfect break point in the story where I can get people interested without spoiling the ending. It opens up... um, looking like a 17, 1800 sort of setting, judging by people's uh, clothes. They're in a bar, a pub, something like that. Everybody's having a great time laughing, singing. There's one figure front and center, very tall, very confident man in a blue cloak and a green vest. And there's a fellow off in the corner who looks deeply concerned, bags under his eyes, you know, and, and we're seeing his internal monologue. And he's looking at this tall, confident fellow, and he says, this is not my brother. My brother has a a nice house he built himself with such and such walls and a fine roof and all of these animals. My brother has a young wife with starry eyes who he loves. My brother has a strong jaw and a confident face and a way with people that makes them want to trust him. This man has all of these things, but he's not my brother. Because I killed my brother three days ago. And you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) And from there, it just gets... the, The... direction the story takes is is fantastic and everything about it is so perfectly subtle i can't imagine having a story like this in your head and not rushing headlong into the conclusion but it's this kind of tense slow build with a with an ending that isn't necessarily overt or all in your face but is even more affecting for how understated it is couldn't recommend it highly enough go ahead and check it out so you know what the hell the title means because that (laughs) happens toward the middle um emily carroll awesome stuff really glad i've discovered it Awesome, man. Very cool. Not like I discovered it personally or something, but like I stumbled on it. Planting your flag right in it there, huh? Brought to you by Jake Ryan. It's a Jake Ryan production. (laughs) You're welcome, Emily. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Uh, Mark, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, working with the threat. We've we've picked up a new, uh, and I'm sorry, I'm going to bring it back to myself a little bit here. But um, working with the threat, we've picked up a new artist, Ray Dillon, and I don't know if you guys have caught some of the stuff that he and his wife Renee DeLiz are working on, but yeah. um, they're they're currently working on a book called Lady Power Punch. They've got it on Patreon. Um, she hasn't really released anything there yet, but it's a superhero book. It looks really cool. Um, I'm actually going to kind of pitch a little bit of their stuff, so just pardon me, but they also had a Kickstarter for Peter Pan, which was kind of uh, kind of like he did, they did with Legends of Wonder Woman. It's it's a kind of an origin story for Peter Pan. Um, oh, that would and be it, cool. It looked, <laughs> yeah, it looks really good. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to pick up on the Kickstarter. It was over by the time I got it uh, connected with them. Um, but yeah, it looks really good. The artwork's spectacular. And then Ray's done a uh, creator-owned thing of, for himself called The Gatekeeper, uh, which also looks really good. I, I haven't gotten a hold of a copy of that yet myself either, but uh, working with Ray, it's just a matter of time until I can convince him to send me a couple of issues. So, um, 
that's what I'm looking at right now. Everything looks really good. It sounds really good. What's it called again? The gatekeeper is uh, Ray's, and then later power punches um, Renee's. Lady Power Punch. That's when I forgot. Awesome. Power yeah. Punch was my nickname in high school, yeah, for ooh. those wondering. <laughs> Got it in there. It's like Pee-wee's magic word of the day. I need you guys to lose your shit next time I say that. Can you do that for me? Um, we'll see. Right. I'll try. I'll summon right. my best. One of these days. Awesome. Jack, would you like to go next? Yeah, I'll go next. So, on Free Comic Book Day, when I was down at Pack Rats, mm-hmm. perusing the uh, aisles, this caught my eye, and... I think Understandably. What I found, why it was, I just found out the other day, is Jim Lee did the cover. Oh, well, there So you that go. artwork just stands out like crazy. But it's a Scooby Apocalypse, and it's it's like a, a whole reboot of Scooby-Doo and the gang. <laughs> None of them know each other in the beginning of the book. Uh, Daphne has a low-budget, uh, cheap cable TV show called Mysterious Mysteries. Fred is the camera guy. Uh, Velma is a scientist at some secret military experimental lab. Shaggy's a dog trainer at the lab, and Scooby <laughs> is, I guess he's getting tested on or or something like that. I haven't gotten, I didn't get too far into it. But uh, they're all in the desert, kind of like at a Burning Man thing, except it's called like Torched Guy <laughs> Festival. <laughs> smoldering dude. <laughs> Not to be I think that's what it was, it was like Smoldering Guy or something. But uh, Daphne and Fred are walking around. Daphne's trying to find this informant that she's looking for for the show. Fred's sitting there, you know, ho-humming the whole time. And they're just arguing back and forth. Uh, Shaggy and Scoob are running around trying to find food. Shocker. And Velma ends up... She's the informant for that Daphne's looking for. I guess they've been talking back and forth. And she's got she's going to try to bust wide open the whole experimental thing going on. And at the lab, so she brings them into the lab and tells them the whole story of what's going on. The scientists there, there's this door to hope, I think it was called, but it was actually a portal to hell. And the scientists were also working on some nanotechnology to, like, speed up the human evolution process. Hmm. But then all shit's gonna break loose. I haven't gotten to the shit breaking loose part, but I don't know if you can. See That's the some. cliffhanger to leave the listener on. Yeah, pretty much. That's Guess awesome what? so far. I was never a huge Scooby-Doo fan in the old cartoons, but just the way everything looks in here, this stuff. Yeah, it's like a more adult uh, darkening of uh, Scooby-Doo, making it a little darker. The way they look is way better, too, I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the big guns. That always helps. Yeah. Every character is improved with some heavy firepower. It's true. Think of how badass I'd look sitting here with a big gun right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Candare's new image. Yeah. Armed and dangerous. Guns. <laughs> Can guns. Now with more guns. Gundare. Gundare. Scooby <laughs> Apocalypse, Volume 1. Very good. Very good. Yeah, it's definitely intriguing cover there. That's for sure. All right, my comic for this week. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, when we had Kyle on, when you were on vacation, we were uh, discussing uh, Kevin Smith and the View Askew universe. And uh, after so, when I was editing that episode, it reminded me that I had a comic that uh, Brooke bought me for Christmas. And shortly after she got it for me, uh, we moved and it ended up being packed away. So I dug it up, and I'm going to be talking about Carney here, uh, written by Brian Johnson and uh, Oh, I remember Walter you Flanagan. having that. Yeah. Back in the day. I think Brian does the majority of the writing. Maybe him and Walt do it. And then uh, Walt does the uh, the artwork in it. But anyway, uh, if you are into fucked up kind of things, <laughs> this is right down your alley. And I don't say that in a bad way. I mean that in the, the best possible way. Yeah. Leafing through this thing made me want to take a shower. I knew you would uh, get off on it, though. You like it, though. I I did. Was, oh, I dig yeah. it. But I still a... feel kind of grimy. <laughs> But there's something about, like, the traveling carnival or freak Such shows and stuff. That, yeah, it really is. That uh, always appeals to me. That's why I kind of wanted to read it. So I'm not going to tell you everything because that would kind of defeat the purpose and then you wouldn't go buy it. So I'm just going <laughs> to kind of <laughs> give you the uh, the intro to it here. It starts, I'd say, that what would you uh, gauge the time frame on this? This looks like early 1900s somewhere. I was there. thinking the art style? No, the, like the setting. 30s, story. 40s. The 30s or 40s, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, there's just a little kid playing in the street with a lizard picking a rock at him, and there's a cloud of dust coming down the road, and it's a bunch of horse-drawn carriages and wagons and stuff, and he starts running through town. They're here! They're here! They've come! 
And uh, when he pulls into town, there's a sign on the uh, side of the cart that says Othello's uh, Cavalcade of Oddities. So the convoy stops as all these uh, townspeople are gathering around and like the smoke comes up. Doves fly out of it, and he's like, uh, like the the ringmaster or whatever walks out. Hello, I, my name is Othello, and these are my uh, oddities. And all these different freaks walk out of the smoke. And I'm only going to tell you a few of them here. There was like uh, Alonzo; uh, she eats shit. That's her big claim oh. to fame. It's not that weird. <laughs> I mean, there's uh, Tahoe, the uh, man of stitches. Uh, then the, the the grossest one, the sex crazed slug man Rodeo. He's pretty much just a torso in a bag with the head sticking out. Very much sex crazed indeed. He is and, loathsome. <laughs> yeah, and following the wagon are a bunch of children, all like tied by the neck, just kind of with their heads down, looking dirty. And the townspeople are in question. What are with these kids? And he's like, never mind them. They're harmless. You know, just never mind. And uh, so it then cuts to uh, the character Manly. And uh, his girlfriend, Lacey. And it's the kind of the scenario where she's trying to progress the relationship and he's kind of shy and reserved, doesn't want to make the first move. But, you know, she's like grabbing his hand, putting it on her tit and <laughs> like trying to move things along. So it just kind of gives a brief, you know, overview of uh, their relationship. Then it cuts back to the... The freak show, and you can see all these freaks kind of interacting with each other, and like the slug man just keeps trying to get between the bearded women's oh, legs. And, what the hell is that thing? That's the skeleton man just throwing a punch and uh, <laughs> not being able to hold his balance because he's so uh, weak, no muscle. But uh, you can see them and just how they interact together, and how just kind of mindless and simple they are, fighting over stupid shit and. You know, the ringmaster's like, it's almost showtime. You need to put that stuff away. Quit acting like assholes and just straighten up. You know, get <laughs> put the show at the front of your mind. So, uh, you know, it's the night of the show. The townspeople go down to the show and they, they watch it. And they, uh, I believe, are being fed dinner by uh, the freaks afterwards. And Manly and Sarah creep down to, like, a riverside where they're going to, uh, away from everyone, where they're going to make out or do whatever they're going to do. And some of these freaks follow him down there. And they just grab him by the hair, slit his throat, let him bleed out. They take her, cut her tongue out, rip her dress off, and they hold her down while the slug man kind of goes up between uh. their legs. Yeah, and then it cuts off there. And that's where I'm going to cut off to. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's a hell of a lot of fun. It reminds me of American Horror Story yeah. uh, Freak Show. Though I lost interest with Freak Show. It just kind of started going directions I wasn't cool with. But right. Uh, this came long before that. This was like 2005 and uh, was a hell of a lot of fun to read. And I also am uh, really big on the artwork in it. Um, Walt Flanagan's art, I don't know. He's he's definitely got his own style. I love in uh, Cacophony his depiction of the Joker. All the evolutions the Joker's seen over the years, and especially those last few we've seen like in the comics with his face cut off. Mm, or right. There was a cartoon where he was all like, hunched over like a big hunchback like jumping off walls and now with Jared Leto and his grill and his tattoos <laughs> I'm not big on all, a lot of these different yeah. versions and uh, Walt has that very vintage kind of Joker look he keeps with the character whenever he draws him and uh, I just the word it. clean comes to mind you know it's yeah. very much the character you know not trying to tack on a lot of more more of so the Joker from like those early Batman cartoons with their real long game yeah chin and nose yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, I love it. So, um, again, check it out. The book is called Carney. You might be able to get it on uh, the Secret Stash website. That's Carney with a K. Carney with a K. Yes, I should have said that. But a lot of fun. Check it out. All right, with that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Mark and talk about the threat currently running on Kickstarter until the 29th of June. Thanks again for being with us, Mark. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Now, uh, it's been quite a while since you've been on the show. Uh, again, I think since episode 92, so almost 100 episodes. We picked up a lot of uh, new listenership since then and a new cast member since then. Hey, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, if you could uh, give our listeners uh, and Jake here and a little bit of an overview about the threat. Yeah, sure. Um, so, it's we basically have taken the world that we're seeming to kind of go down into the future about 20 years uh the corporations have had to take control of the a lot of the major metropolitan areas because the governments have started to collapse for financial reasons um some of those reasons are that there's a degradation of the human genome which ends up causing uh just an increased 
number of deaths due to things like cancer or um, other just normal diseases that we see nowadays. But now because of this degradation of the genome, they're, they're happening more frequently. That is cured by one of the guys that ends up running the corporation that runs Houston. And that cure is basically recombinant DNA. It merges DNA with from humans with other beings. Some of those beings are just ancestors that we've had, um, but some of those beings are either plants or animals where we've ingested part of the, you know, we, we've eaten a cow and now we have some of that DNA, DNA in our system, or we got bitten by a mosquito that bit a groundhog yesterday. So now we've got some of that DNA in our system. So that's where all of our characters that have powers get their powers. Those characters end up becoming called virals because the cause of this mutation um, isn't really known to the world. So they just think that something's happened and maybe part of the virus that's been killing people off is has caused these mutations to occur. Um, the mutations come in all forms uh, from just generic um, extra limbs to people dying due to humpbacks or um, one of our characters, Kevin, has the ability to, to uh, form a callus over his entire body, which uh, can protect him from small round ammunition, um, things of that nature. So uh, the story, the, the main arc of the story that we're telling right now is a small group of these virals ends up having to band together to go rescue one of their friends who gets kidnapped by Anatech, which is the company that runs Houston. And that's kind of where we're, we're, we're currently on issue five. Uh, the shit's starting to hit the fan, and I apologize if you don't allow cursing on there, but um, <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> the, you know, it's really starting to hit the fan in this issue. Uh, it's pretty action-packed throughout the entire book. Um, we've gotten a lot of the history and how things got to be where they're at out of the way, and now we're into the mix of things. Okay, so I was uh, misunderstood then. I was thinking that this Kickstarter was for like a compilation, like a uh, like a graphic novel of all the issues. This is uh, further into the story, right? This is for uh, this is for issue five right now. Um, we're, oh, okay. we're yeah, we're we're gonna do a graphic novel, but we're gonna get all of the single issues out of the way, and then go back and kind of pack to pack them all together. At that point, so. Now, the first time we had you on, uh, we were discussing uh, the threat, and then the second time we had you on, you had talked about uh, rebooting the whole series, and uh, right. you were still kind of in question about uh, where that was going to go. So how has rebooting the series uh, helped you? Has it, uh, has it made the series go in the direction you've wanted it to go? Yeah, basically, we've only done issue one at this particular point in time. We, uh, we started with issue one, and then we just we started looking at how sales were going, and we realized that we needed to finish the arc before we did that. Um, Ray's come on. He's agreed to uh, Ray Dillon. He's come on. He's agreed to uh, do the remaining issues and then go back and rework issues one through four for us, so that we've got the same artwork throughout the entire series for the graphic novel purposes. Um, and and with that, that's allowing us to go back and and add a little bit more to the first couple of issues. The the, the what we did to issue one really helped. Um, number one, the, the I think the first issue that you guys read was where we were jumping around through time a little bit. We were going back and forth, kind of telling people's yes. backstory. In the new rebooted version of issue one, we tell the entire story chronologically instead. So instead of uh, we start in the future with Paul, just like we did originally, but then we we go back to 2012 and start telling the story and we tell it chronologically all the way up through until we get to 2035 which is where the main part of the story tells uh is told um and then issue two is actually going to still just jump right into the mix of it so what we're going to end up doing is we're going to have um paul come back at a later point 
um, in the series to kind of recap a little bit of this stuff, but then he'll come back right at the end also to 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 kind of book in the entire series so that you can tell it was really supposed to be this way with, with Paul. One of the comments we had on one of the reviews was um, that they felt like some of the characters just dropped off. And, you know, this is a, this is a longer story. It's not, not your typical three or four, five issue arc. It's, it's an eight issue arc, which I realize isn't terribly long, but um you know, we're going to have characters that are in an issue and then they, you don't see them the next issue. And that's all getting to a point where pretty much all the characters are in every single issue or all the main characters are in every single issue moving forward. Right. Well, you know, when you have an expanded universe like that, you're going to you're going to have that. I mean, look at, uh, for instance, like uh, The Walking Dead. So many different characters and there are main characters that will, you know, walk off and disappear for you know, sometimes a whole season before they come back. So right. I, I wouldn't see that as a downfall at all. I, uh, I actually kind of enjoy yeah, that. I, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, that's that's the way the, way the real world works. You know, you, you right. see somebody at work one day and then the next day they're on vacation for a week. So, you know, you don't see them for a while. So that's, that's kind of what we tried to do with this. We tried to make it real world-ish. We tried to, to make sure that it was told in a way that seemed... I don't want to say that comics nowadays don't seem realistic, but I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that aren't, and we realize it is a comic book, so we're stretching stuff automatically, but Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to get more down to earth, I guess is a good way of putting it. We wanted to get, uh, tell a story from a different, kind of a different perspective, a different uh, angle, coming at it from a different way. Yeah. So this Kickstarter is for uh, issue five, you said? Yes. What kind of rewards are you offering uh, to backers? Um, we're, we're doing pretty, we tried to go straight, um, comic books this time. We're doing digital rewards. We've got a couple, um, artwork rewards where, uh, one of, one of my friends, Tommy, Wynn, he, uh, he offered to do some head sketches, uh, as one of the backer rewards. So that's in there, oh, nice. uh, digital comics, print comics, uh, print comics to where we actually will ship the books to Ray who, um, doesn't live in the same state we live in so he he'll sign them for us and then ship them all back so um you're you're getting a little bit a little bit more than just the writer signing it this time you know we're actually having the artist uh sign it as well so and he's uh, but we didn't he's really good so that's 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 awesome right (laughs) we didn't want to go crazy with it you know shipping shirts and and mugs and and prints and all this other stuff it really starts weighing down on the the ability to ship these books so it's just easier and and cheaper on everybody and including the backers to get just a box of books versus having to ship a big large print which costs three times as much to ship so right i can't wait to see more uh, so what you're saying is what you're working on now was from the original storyline then rather than the reboot that you guys had uh, talked about. Correct. Yeah. Now, the, I mean, the books have been rewritten to to work with the rebooted version. So I, I say rewritten, but they've just been reworked uh, to include some of the information that we inc- added to the first couple of issues. And, and really, it's only the first couple of issues that are technically getting rebooted. Um, there'll be more story to them. The stories will still be the same, but they'll just be a little bit more to them. And then when we get to issue three, um, we're going to have them three and four redrawn, but not necessarily uh, told the story will be pretty much the same. So are you uh, making any convention appearances this summer? I did two shows. The ne- my next show is Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake comic-con. Oh, okay. so I'll be there in September. So not technically the summer, but still coming up, man. That'd be cool so, to go to. We need to get yeah. out of class sometime. Yeah. Yeah. We really do. Step outside our comfort zone a little yeah. and bring yeah. the can to the world. <laughs> right. Our gift. I'll, I'll, I actually work for a show here uh, based in Texas. It's uh, called Comic Palooza. Um, and I'll actually be out at Heroes this coming weekend, but I'll be working for that show. I, I'll be running around trying to recruit artists to come. So, oh, okay. Wish so. we could get out there, man. One of these days, guys. We'll oh, yeah. get enough yeah. money and we'll go out there. <laughs> well, Mark, this has been a lot of fun having you on the show. Uh, and everyone at home needs to go to kickstarter.com and check out uh, The Threat and uh, back it if you uh, 
feel so inclined and you have until June 29th, you can go to stratumcomics.com to check out more on Mark and uh, what he's got going on. Uh, Twitter handles at Stratum Comics and at The Threat Comic. Did I miss anything there, Mark? Nope, that's it. Well, Facebook, I mean, you can catch us on Facebook also. There you go. There you go. Many of avenues for you can check out uh, The Threat and more of what Mark's got going on. So, Mark, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. No problem. Thanks again for having me. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to kandairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on our social media, visit the Hall of Justice and see the Wall of Heroes, uh, check out some of the videos on our YouTube page, soon to be more, uh, check out our special guest page. Oh yeah, there it is. I think of what, it <laughs> what do we call that one with all the people on it? <laughs> also, if you'd like to promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And be sure to follow us on all of our social networking. Twitter at CandairPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. It's totally worth your time, you guys. It really is. Yeah. It totally is. And you know what else is worth your time? T-shirts. Society6.com forward slash CandairPod. What else is worth their time? Curtains. Candare curtains that come with five custom podcasts <laughs> to your liking. Maybe a shower mat or a bathroom mat <laughs> with a robot. Candare toilet stand? paper. You gotta love that robot. Candare the bed sheets. Nice pillow. A nice pillow. Floor. Floor pillow. No yeah. bed pillow. Keep it off the bed. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> the floor. we'll, we'll know. <laughs> we got the Candare soap on a rope. Oh, hey, hey there hey. you go. Just don't drop it. <laughs> Canned air nope. medicated foot powder. Oh, yeah. Maybe we can get Shaq to endorse that. <laughs> I love some canned air foot powder. Foot. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we're going to sign off for this week. So until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Mark Schmidt. Thanks for listening, everyone. Unusual looking people around here. <laughs> I was walking along, minding my business, when out of an orange colored sky, slam, bam, zowie, and wham, four evil crooks came by. I was singing a song. Drinking in sunshine, acting as friendly as could be. Crunch, plop, crackle, and pop. They threw their curves at me. Somebody yelled, hey, Batman, what are you waiting for? With a zap and a crack, I began my attack. After that, they were flat on the floor. So I'm walking along. Carefully watching in case they should make another try. Zonk, pow, here they are now, out of an orange-colored sky. Pursue every clue that'll lead me to you I'll let you stay, but you must change your way Anytime there's a crime, I'll be there I was walking along, minding my business The love came and hit me in the eye Scoot, scat, just like a bat Out of an orange-colored sky Mom Billy did it. Hold on there, Mervin. Wow, it's Flint. It's one thing to break a window, but it's another to blame Simple Billy. You should be inside listening to the Candare podcast. What about the window? I guess you shouldn't have broke it. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I would be remiss if it died dead silent. Scoopy, I just had a mind-blowing thought. What you got? Okay, so we were just talking heroines last week on the show, and who came up uh, in that was Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl from mm-hmm. Batman and Robin, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so let's say, in fact, that these movies are modernization reboots or whatever of the old 66. The old 66 had Aunt Harriet, Right? Mm-hmm. And Alicia Silverstone played Alfred's niece of some kind. Was there any relation there, you think? Like, could have. With Harriet? Yeah. Bastardess. Am I, am child I going out of on Harriet this? and Alfred? No, not of Harriet and Alfred. Oh. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I'll just cut this out. I'm lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, cut I'll cut it out. Mine Be sure to drink your oval tea. <laughs> I've heard about your box. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.